are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you heading into the weekend. We're going to talk a little bit about what I ended yesterday's podcast with in regards to my thoughts on Anthony Davis. I've got a Kobe story for you that I've seen this on TikTok numerous times, and I absolutely love it. I want to share it with you. We're going to talk about the NFL possibly moving to a pay-per-view model. Might not be as crazy as you think. The NBA trying to do something about load management, something we've talked about on this show numerous times before. And we've got some more college basketball for you and maybe a little baseball to end this. And uh, we will get to this momentarily. And yesterday at the end of the podcast, I was kind of going on a little bit of a rant about Anthony Davis and being a Laker fan. Like, I appreciate the fact that he came to the Lakers, did deliver a title uh, in the bubble. Some people don't consider that a real title. I do because it's not going to be taken. You might want to say like, oh, it's got an asterisk next to it. Maybe, but it's still a title. When you look up anybody, you know, Anthony Davis has won one NBA championship. Yes. 20 years from now, are people going to always point out, well, he only won it in the bubble? No, I think they'll just say he won a championship. But the way he's been able to not stay on the court for the last three years since then has been very frustrating to Laker fans. And his attitude and the way he approaches the game just doesn't seem like he has that killer instinct. And the thing that I kind of went off with yesterday was there are a few guys in the NBAs that are just absolute killers that you know are working their ass off and will do anything they can to be better, and it pisses them off when they lose. Anthony Davis just strikes me that as somebody who, yeah, he'd love to win, but if he doesn't, he's okay with it because he makes a gazillion dollars. And that's not just him. That's a lot of players in the NBA. That's a lot of players in Major League Baseball, and that's a lot of players in the NFL. Once you get your contract and you've got a ton of money, It's not easy to stay motivated. It's very easy to be motivated to get that contract. And then once you do, fall off a cliff. How many times have we seen it in professional sports? And maybe not fall off a cliff like you're literally the worst player in the league, but your production really slips because you had to work so hard to get to that point, and then you finally reached your pinnacle. Very few have the drive and the will to take it a step further and go higher than that. Most are complacent because they feel like they reached their goal and they worked their ass off and they did. But in the world of professional sports, when everybody's watching every move of yours and everybody's enamored with your statistics, if your statistics aren't as good after you get your contract, it's going to be pointed out. We've seen this numerous times. Anyway, Anthony Davis just strikes me as a guy who's really good, super talented for a guy that's seven feet tall can shoot from the outside, can rebound, can block shots, inside game, outside game. He's got it all, but the one thing he doesn't bring every night on the court is effort. You can say what you want about LeBron. You can say what you want about Giannis. Everybody's got flaws in their game, but they try and they bust their ass every night and they bust their ass in the offseason. LeBron is 38 years old. We see some of the workout videos that he posts on his Instagram. He doesn't play 20 years in the NBA and play at the level that he is right now unless he's working his ass off in the offseason to keep himself in shape. Now, 38 years old, you're going to have running into more injuries. He's definitely being more injured the last few years. 
nothing major, but he's got to take games off here and there. I mean, that's just normal. He's 38. Anthony Davis isn't even 30 yet, I don't believe. So he has no business not playing his ass off. Anyway, it brings me to Kobe because Kobe has been known throughout the years. There's so many Kobe stories out there from former NBA players, and a lot of them came forward with it after his tragic death and just saying what an unbelievable mental warrior he is. You know, the Mamba mentality. It's a real thing because Kobe just didn't think like other people. Kobe was destined to be what he was as a little kid growing up in Italy, watching his dad play. Like he was just wired differently than most people. He didn't care about anything other than basketball and winning championships. He was a killer. He had a killer mentality. And this was just one story. And I just want to play it for you because it's only a minute and 13 seconds long. And it's from Jay Williams. Remember Jay Williams, point guard at Duke, was drafted second by the Bulls in 2002. I mean, good player. But then his career got derailed because he got in a motorcycle accident. But this was before he got injured. And he's telling a story. This was, I don't even know when this interview happened. But he was on a, um, a motivational talk show. And he was doing an interview. And I'll set up the interview. And then I'll just hit play. And basically, the interview was Jay Williams uh, was playing for the Bulls. And they were on the road at Staples Center about to play the Lakers. And it's game day. And he's like, okay, we're playing the Lakers. I want to get to the gym, get a lot, you know, get my work in before the game. And it picks up from there. And this is Jay Williams talking about about five or six hours before they play the Lakers at Staples Center in a, in a game early in his career. It's like, you know, I'm going to get there at 3 o'clock, and I want to make sure I make 400 made shots. Get in the car, get to the gym, get there, and as I'm walking onto the court, who do I see? I see Kobe Bryant, already working out. So I worked out for a good hour, hour and a half. And when I came off, after I was done, I sat down, and of course I still heard the ball bouncing. I look down, I'm like, this guy's, this guy's still working out? It looks like he was in a dead sweat when I got here. Right. And he's still going. And it's not like his moves are nonchalant or <laughs> lazy. He's doing, like, game moves, right. you know? Um, I sit there, and I unlace my shoes. I'm like, I want to see how long this goes. So I sit out there and watch another 25 minutes. And he got done. I was like, okay, I think I've seen enough. Go play, you know, come back, get in the sauna, get ready for the game. That game, he drops 40 on us. And after the game is over, I'm like, I, I have to ask this guy. Like, I, I have to understand, like, why why he, he works like that. Right. So after the game, I'm like, hey, Kobe, like, why, why were you in the gym for so long? He's like, because I saw you come in, and I wanted you to know that it doesn't matter how hard you work, that I'm willing to work harder than you. It's an unbelievable story. Uh, it just, But that personifies what Kobe was. And look, Kobe was one in a million in terms of his drive and his motivation. Not every NBA player is like that, but... Growing up in Southern California, working in sports talk radio during Kobe's prime years, 1997 through 2006, like I was there in the thick of it. I was doing remote broadcasts at Staples Center during those times. I heard so many Kobe stories, and this was back when he was a dick. And yeah, he probably wasn't the greatest teammate. But then again, you ask a lot of Michael Jordan's teammates. They said he was just wired differently. His drive and his motivation to beat you in everything that he did. He wouldn't even let teammates win on card games on the flight. He's just super competitive, and that comes across as him being a dick. And Kobe got the same rap. He got that bad rap about him, but 
he also had a drive that actually could probably only be um, equated to Michael's. LeBron's got a very good drive. I don't think he's maniacal like Kobe, but he's definitely just... LeBron is also a freak of nature with being 6'8", and the thing he can do on a basketball court, 6'8", 265, whatever he is, with barely any body fat at 38 years old. I mean, the guy's incredible. But those stories about Kobe... And I and I and I hear that story. And I'm just like, my God, just replace in that story Kobe Bryant with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis probably would have walked off the court after about ten minutes, <laughs> you know, warming up. Like the, like I said, I'm not saying Anthony Davis has to be like Kobe, but he's not even in the same stratosphere. And but then again. Not a lot of teammates are, and not a lot of players in the league are. I understand that Kobe is one out of two guys that had that type of killer mentality. But still, to have that and to just the mind games that Kobe had over his teammates and his opponents. I mean, here was Jay Williams, a guy that was never going to be better than Kobe, going in and wanting to shoot 400 shots and make 400 shots before a game. He sees Kobe in the gym. He makes his 400 shots, and Kobe is still going 30 minutes after him. And the only reason was because he didn't want Jay Williams to think, you have the upper hand on me, and you practice harder than me in the gym. Like That, that takes a mentality that not a lot of people have. But it's really cool to hear stories like that. I love hearing that story. I've seen it so much on TikTok and on social media. I just thought I would uh, play it for you since I went off on Anthony Davis yesterday. And I, I hate to pick on the guy, but... I just don't think he has it in him. He doesn't have that want and that killer instinct to get to the top again. I don't think. I hope he proves me wrong, but right now I'm not seeing it. One thing that was brought up yesterday on a podcast, and the guy who said it was John Skipper, who used to be the head of ESPN. He has since moved on, and he's dealing in the podcast world as well. But he talked about possibly the NFL, especially the Super Bowl, maybe one day going to pay-per-view. Which, it's interesting because his quote was this. If you just assume that half of the people that watch would still figure out a way to watch if it costs 200 to $250 a household... You're just going to have bigger parties. I don't know how many households, I assume it's half the households who watched, if it was only a quarter of them are willing to pay 20 bucks to have a party at their house, it would still get you into the billions of dollars for a single game. And that is the single best way I can think for the NFL to increase their annual revenue take for the clubs is to make the Super Bowl a pay-per-view event. It's certainly an interesting take. It's something that I'm sure a lot of people don't want to hear, like... NFL is already big enough as it is. Do they really need to be charging for something like this? And it and it brings me to a quote. I'm sure you've heard Mark Cuban say this either in interviews. I think he has said it on Shark Tank quite a few times. And his quote is, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And what that means is, basically, if you work hard, people that work hard will get what they deserve. But those who try and you know get something for really doing nothing – it'll come back to bite you in the ass and you're not going to get very far. And that's kind of this situation because that's what this is. The NFL is already the top of the chain in television and ad revenue, and it's the number one sport in America, and it's not even close in terms of ratings, 
eyeballs. It's not even close. Most money gambled on, way more people bet on football than probably baseball, basketball, and hockey combined. It's not even close. They run the sporting world, especially in the TV ratings. Now, why would you just sit there and be like, oh, you know what? We'll charge for our biggest game of the year. Like That is a personification of what pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered means in Mark Cuban's definition. And it doesn't seem like a great idea. However, I don't think it's too far off that it will happen. I don't think it's going to happen in the next five years, but 10, 15 years from now, we don't know what the world is going to look like. We don't know what the sports landscape is going to look like. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if every game in the NFL on Sundays is a pay-per-view model where you could basically go to your TV and order up what games you want to watch and you just pay for it. And I think certain games would be less, you know, whether it's four ninety nine a game. Like, let's just say you live in Philadelphia and this was the model. Every game costs something. You don't tell me that every you wouldn't you're not telling me that everybody in Philadelphia would pay four dollars and ninety nine cents to watch their Eagles games on Sundays? And not divvying up, you know, not poning up that four ninety nine means they don't get to watch them unless they go somewhere else to watch it in a bar. Most people, I mean, yes, I get it. People watch games in bars, but most people just want to sit at home and watch the game. Are you going to be like, nope, I ain't paying four ninety nine to watch the Eagles? No, you're crazy fans. Of course you will. So it would be a way of the NFL just bleeding their fans dry. But I guarantee you the fans would do it. Now, if the price point got way out of whack, if it was like $19.99 a game, yes, the diehards are still going to pay that. You know, $20 a week, 16 games a week, what is that? Less than 400 300 you know, 340 bucks a year roughly to watch your team for the season. You know, you save up $340 a year so you can watch your team every season, you know. I I get it. And that's if the games were 1999. I don't even know what the price point would be if they went to a pay-per-view model for even regular season games. I can't imagine it would be more than, you know, 4 bucks, 5 bucks per game, but but can you imagine the amount of money the NFL would make on that considering they already are the most watched show in America every single week. 75 of the top 100 shows in all of television every year are NFL football games. They dominate so, of course, if they really wanted to be dicks about it, they could start charging for their games. And you know what? Most of their fans are going to buy it. I would. I mean, <laughs> sorry. it's uh, I'm not going to pass on Sunday football because it costs $4.99 or whatever. So, it's an interesting conversation. I'm sure it frustrates a lot of people. I do think it's coming. I don't think it's coming anytime soon. Like I said, outside of five years, but maybe by ten in ten years from now, the Super Bowl will be pay per view. And then you know we're talking about two different things: Super Bowl being pay per view versus every game during the season being pay per view, and you have to pay to watch it. I don't know. I don't know where we're at. I think the Super Bowl would be first, and then they might go to a model of every game is costing something. Briefly on the NBA with the All Star Game this weekend. NBA commissioner Adam Silver always takes the podium and answers questions about the league. And the biggest thing coming up is load management and these teams resting their star players. And, you know, how does that help the fans? And, you know, there really isn't a mandate that you can say you have to play your players in every single game. 
The only thing he came up with that he said in the press conference was we might start incentivizing games played. Like you can't qualify for an award unless you play X amount of games. You can receive a bonus if you play X amount of games. Now, again, I don't think bonuses do very much for somebody who makes 30 to $40 million a year. You're still, because your top players, the ones that sit, the, the Giannis's, the Stephs, the Anthony Davises <laughs> that have to take time off just to rest because they don't want to play in regular season games that ultimately don't mean anything. You make $35, $40 million a year. What are you going to do? A bonus? If you play 65 out of the 82 games, you get a bonus? What's the bonus? Shit, if it was $500,000, it would be like, great, I make $40 million a year. Who cares? You know, it's... I don't think that I don't think any incentive-based program is going to work. But like I said when we've talked about load management before, I understand it because as a fan, what's the ultimate thing you want from your team in your hometown, whether it's basketball, well, let's talk about basketball because that's where the load management happens, but your basketball team that's fairly good, going to go to the playoffs, what do you want to see them do? Win a regular season game on January and Tuesday night or be healthy enough to possibly win the championship? The ultimate goal is to win the championship. And the reason that they're sitting their stars is to preserve them for the playoffs. So, yeah, I get it. And, yes, I also understand that players in the 80s, the Magics, the Birds, the Jordans, they didn't sit. There was no such thing as load management in the 80s, and that's when they were traveling commercial. They only had, like, one trainer on the staff. They didn't have all this access to personal chefs and personal trainers and coaches traveling with them. It was a totally different game. They were smoking at halftime in games on the 80s, in the 80s, uh, in the NBA. You know, like, so I, I, I get that they didn't have this in the 80s, and you'd be like, how can these players today take all this? They get paid way more than those guys did in the 80s, and yet they take way more time off. It's like, yeah, they do. Also, times have changed, number one. And number two, the ultimate goal, maybe in the 80s, they should have relaxed and they should have rested their guys more because the grind of a whole season really gets to you. So I can, I, I, I don't like load management because it really screws with the fans. And if the NBA is supposed to be so fantastic, you can't be sitting your, you can't be sitting your star players when they don't want to play against a crappy San Antonio Spurs team on a Thursday night in February, you know? But I understand why they do, because the end game is more important than a regular season game in Thursday, in February. just is. And I want to wrap up with this. (laughs) Remember a couple weeks ago in college basketball, I told you that, holy shit, my alma mater, Loyola Marymount University, who's been piss poor and a garbage college basketball program for literally the last 30 years. They have not made the NCAA tournament. They only had eight winning years in the last 30. They went into Gonzaga and beat the Zags, ending their 76-game home winning streak. They had lost 25 in a row to Gonzaga. They had also never won since 1991. They had lost 30 years in a row, something like that, 31 years in a row in Spokane, and they beat them two weeks ago. Well, in college basketball, you play everybody in your conference twice, once at home and once away. Well, last night was the rematch, and it was at LMU. And boy, were they pumped. 
This is an LMU team that actually beat another top 20 team. They beat St. Mary's last week. So the game's on CBS Sports Network. They're showing the crowd before the game. I didn't even know LMU fans even cared about the basketball program since they've sucked for 30 years. But standing room only. Gonzaga is in town. You beat them two weeks ago, ending that home winning streak. And you start out the game, Gonzaga is up 27-4, to and they're up 40 points at halftime, 68-28, and they win the game by 43, 108-65. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to laugh at my alma mater, but I knew they weren't winning that game. They weren't beating Gonzaga twice in a span of two weeks. It just wasn't going to happen. Did I expect them to be down by 40 on their home court at halftime? No. And... Congrats to you for not even making it a game in the second half. Usually when you're down by 40 at half, you're still playing your starters. The other team is just lollygagging because they know they're not going to blow a 40-point lead. They didn't even cut into the lead. They still got outscored by three in the second half. So I don't want to say that means that their win two weeks ago was irrelevant, but kind of woke Gonzaga up. And by the way, I don't know why I keep saying this. I've been watching college basketball since I was in high school. I covered college basketball. I was the play-by-play guy for Loyola Marymount basketball back in the 1992 or 1996-1997 season because that was my senior year. I went up to – I covered every game. I traveled with them, went to every WCC road game. I went to Spokane. We got blown out by them. And – I'm thinking about it now, and I don't know why, and I think because a lot of people on TV do it, but, and I know a lot of you Zag fans have, have contacted me, and I still can't get it right. I've always called them Gonzaga, and it's not. It's Gonzaga. Now, some people don't say gone. They say gun, but it's the Zag part. I've always said Zog, and it's not. It's Gonzaga, and yet... You'll hear me in the next month when I'm talking on the Sports Daily, talking college basketball. Their name is going to come up, and it's still going to come out of my mouth as Gonzaga because I constantly have been saying that for the last 30 years. I got it. Trust me. So, Zag fans, I uh, maybe I'll just call you the Zags and just not even have to worry about it and just go with Zags. But yeah, I don't know why I can't. <laughs> I don't know why I can't get it into my head. It's Gonzaga. I've been calling him Gonzaga forever, so I'll try not to. But just know, it's in my head. Congratulations on the 43-point beatdown you gave my Lions last night at Gersten Pavilion. Holy shit. Down 40 at the half? Like, oh my gosh. And I watched the whole first half. I shut it off at halftime because I didn't need to watch the second half. But I watched the whole first half. It was an absolute ass-kicking. LMU looked like a fifth-grade basketball team against them. And you're like, how in the hell... Did they win in Gonzaga two weeks ago and end a 76-game home winning streak by the Zags? How did that even happen after you watched that first half last night where they fell behind by 40? Your guess is as good as mine. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. I hope you all have a great weekend ahead of you, and we'll be back Monday with yet another Sports Daily. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See ya!